0: Welcome, esteemed listeners, to Offer Night, Mastering the Art of the Bidding War, an episode that offers an insightful guide to the intricacies of the Toronto real estate market, enabling you to outwit competitors and secure the property of your dreams. Imagine for a moment that you find yourself captivated by the allure of an exquisite Toronto residence already envisioning the life you could lead within its walls, yet the enigmatic Offer Night approaches and you must steel yourself for the competition that awaits. Fear not, for in today's episode, we will equip you with the art of dedication, preparedness, emotional intelligence, and determination, essential attributes that will serve you well in bidding wars. In the high stakes world of offer nights, only one triumphant buyer emerges. Will that buyer be you? Join us as we unravel the complexities and devise a winning strategy in this riveting episode of Offer Night Mastering the Art of the Bidding War. It's week two of May, 2023. We are Fox and Associates, Toronto's most innovative and active brokerage in central and downtown Toronto. We aren't here to regurgitate boring stats. You can find those anywhere. We're here to share what we're seeing going on in the Toronto real estate market in real time on a weekly basis so that you can be in the know and make informed decisions. If you're interested in getting an up-to-the-moment opinion on what's happening in Toronto real estate right now and learning about what's going down, boots on the ground before it becomes a stat, then you're in the right place. My name's Ian Busher. I'm a broker with the FM team. Keep her number handy, this is Corey Marin, in-house hype girl and resident expert listing broker, and a good man to know, Mr. Ralph Fox, our analytical investor-driven macro picture watcher. We do this every week. Hit that subscribe button and join us for the latest updates every seven days. Without further ado, let us immerse ourselves in the world of offer nights and unravel the complexities of bidding wars as we strive to transform you into a master of this high stakes game. Corey, would you please, for our listeners, what is an offer night? What is a bidding war?
1: Great question. Okay, let's be super clear about this so our viewers Mm -hmm. and audience really understand tonight's topic. So in layman's layman's terms, a real estate bidding war is a competitive situation where multiple prospective buyers express interest in purchasing one property and all submit offers to the seller and the seller's agent at the same date and time. The buyers attempt to outbid one another by raising their offers well beyond the original asking price, especially in Toronto, hoping to secure the property. This can rapidly escalate the price of the property and it creates a sense of urgency amongst the buyers as they attempt to outbid one another to become the property's new owners. Bidding wars typically occur in what we call a seller's market, where there's a high demand for properties and there's not a lot of inventory, uh, making competition very intense. So right now, in May of this year, we're definitely in the low-rise sector of Toronto's real estate market right now. We're seeing competitive offers or bidding wars happening all over the place, particularly in houses. And I want our viewers to be super clear that bidding wars are the same as multiple offers, which is also often referred to as the offer night. We are not talking about preemptive offers or bully offers. That's a whole other Mm -hmm. strategy. And we're going to talk about that specific strategy in a whole other episode. Yeah, we've got that on deck for next week. Exactly. Today, we're just going to talk about bidding wars, also referred to as multiple offers, also referred to as offer night. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Makes sense. Ralph, would you do us a favor as well? Sure. Okay. Ian. I'm just checking to make sure you're heading frozen.
2: <laughs> the way you say my name, it's like I feel like a little kid and I've gotten in trouble or something. Ralph. And yeah. I regress uh, when you do that. So, <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways, Ian, what can I do for you today? I'll try to be more friendly with it. Hey, Ralph. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Like, del- like we've known each other for 15 years. Here's my question for you.
0: Let's delve into yes. the inc- intricacies of the marketing price, the market value, and the sale price, the vital pieces of the puzzle. What, what are okay. the differences between those three
2: things?
1: I also have a graph for this. So let me just pull that up. Okay, I think it'll be helpful.
2: Awesome. Let me- so you're going to put me on the hot seat now, Ian. Okay. That's right. Well, this, yeah. this is a real interesting question because... The Toronto real estate market almost behaves unlike any other market anywhere. And the reason for that is, is continually, we are in a situation in our housing market where demand far outstrips supply. And so because of that tension, that dynamic tension that our market is almost constantly under the market performs differently than most markets will. And that's why it's very difficult to explain how this works to people who are unfamiliar with it or more importantly, haven't experienced it. And it can be very confusing to somebody uh, when they look online and see a house listed for $899 and then it sells for $12 or... The next day it gets terminated and now it's relisted for $1.4 million, even though the day before it was listed for 8.99 dollars and it didn't sell. So there's a lot of confusion around the market because it behaves unlike pretty much anything else you're ever going to buy or invest in. And so, be, when we're in a market like we are now, especially in low rise, however, we are starting to see multiple offers back on condos as well. And I think that will be an ongoing story as we get deeper into the spring and, and into early summer. So, what happens is when a property is listed and the sellers or the seller's agent know that there will be a number of parties interested in this property, they price it lower than its actual estimated market value. Now, one of the things you have to understand in real estate is when you assess value, it's part art, part science. And so when you look at the value of a property or an estimated value of a property, it's more of a range than an actual specific number. And so in a situation, again, like Toronto's market, where demand is far outstripping supply and you have an asset in a seller's market that's going to be highly desirable the strategy becomes let's price it lower than market value so if you see on this graph here the first is the list price and that list price has nothing to do with number two the market value range of the property Or number three, ultimately, what it could sell for on offer night. So the list price is really just a marketing number. And we always remind our clients of this, that that number is there to elicit interest in the property and to elicit multiple offers in the hopes that it sells beyond market value, that it goes past number two and into number three territory. And so, when you look at a list price as an agent and as a potential buyer in this type of market, in this type of scenario, you know that that is just a marketing number. And it is only after a lot of due diligence that you can assess either via your agent or doing your own due diligence or in a combination of both the market value range of a property, the sold price is what somebody on a specific day determines the value of the property to be for them. Sometimes when a property sells above market value, it is because somebody is willing to pay a premium for the property knowingly. And sometimes it is almost unknowingly because they didn't do their due diligence or they didn't understand the market. One of the things to understand that makes all of this super interesting is that all of the offers, when they're submitted, they're blind offers. And so you don't know when you submit your offer what anybody else's offer is. And that's where the competitive aspect comes to it. And then the repetitive part of this scenario is is if you've gone through this process four, five, six, seven times having lost out on a property, Even though you understand the market value, the property begins to become worth more than the market value because you're seeing prices, as so commonly happens in Toronto, continue to escalate and eventually you start to worry about getting priced out of the market or you start to determine for your own personal reasons that this property is worth more than its market value. And oftentimes you will have to pay slightly more than market value and sometimes a lot more than market value to compete and get the property that you ultimately want to end up with. Now, there are various strategies in conjunction with an offer price, which we will talk about later. But talking specifically about prices of home, once again, there are three prices. The list price, which is a marketing number. The market value range of what the property is actually worth. And then the third is, is what after an offer bidding date, somebody is ultimately willing to pay when they're competing for the property for the property. How did I do? That was
1: great. 10 out of 10. I think 10 out of 10. And so I think that our audience should understand that if you see a listing on realtor.ca or House Sigma, that seems too good to be true. And I know our buyers send this to us all the time, they'll screenshot something off of one of the search apps and be like, oh my gosh, look at this Victorian. It's listed for 899 in the junction. It's gorgeous. We have to get this. I'm like, guarantee, I just have to see the screenshot and the list price. And to know that that particular seller and their agent are hosting an offer date in hopes of eliciting multiple offers to drive the price up in a competitive fashion. And so ultimately mm-hmm. it will probably sell not for market value but beyond that which will be the ultimate sold price. So if you see something that seems too good to be true, it is. <laughs> there is mm-hmm. no such thing as a deal in the Toronto real estate market and Ralph always says you're there's only opportunities.
2: 100%. And one of the things that makes it really tricky although they talk a lot about transparency in real estate is is only brokers can see agents can see the comments saying when they are accepting offers Mm -hmm. so it's very tricky if you're trying to navigate this on your own as a consumer because you'll look at the listing and you'll just see the price you will not be able to see the note at the bottom where agents can that says offers to be presented on wednesday at seven o'clock the other thing is is that this happens at all price points like last week or Yeah, it was last week. We saw a property that was listed for 2.5 and it sold for Mm -hmm. 3.5. A million dollars over its list price and its list price was not a small price to begin with. It listed at 2.5. So we see it all price ranges and we see it all across the city uh, and we're seeing more and more of it and more and more of those extremes are are definitely coming back into the market. Absolutely.
1: This is just in reference to the fact that I want our viewers to understand that in a multiple offer scenario, just like Ralph mentioned, you have to visualize it as a blind auction. So the only thing that you know is the number of offers on the property. You have no other details about the offer. And so having listed many properties and hosted multiple offer evenings ourselves, We have been privy to looking at various offers across the board, and we're going to get into those details shortly. But I want our viewers to understand that when we get 13 offers on a property, the agents and their buyers only know there's 13 offers. They don't know anything else but that one piece of information. So that's driving the competition already, just that alone and that there is a massive delta generally between the lowest offer that comes in and the highest offer that comes in. And sometimes we've seen a spread of up to $400,000 between the lowest offer that comes in and the highest. Sometimes we've seen a spread of $200,000 between the highest offer and the second highest offer. So this just proves within itself that just having the, the knowing that other people want what you want will drive the price up. And it goes back to one of our original episodes where we talk about FOMO. This like really comes into play. And it's amazing how much once you feel that somebody else wants what you want, all of a sudden you want it more. It's just like dating. It's almost the exact same analogy.
2: What's really interesting is, and I talked about this on a, on an earlier episode, but with open bidding, if you look at countries where they have open bidding, like Australia and New Zealand and uh, Ireland, and I think Sweden does as well, their real estate prices have escalated as high, if not higher than Canadian real estate prices And so we think it could be as a result of the blind bidding, but sometimes knowing that you're competing with somebody and seeing their numbers, maybe the increments go up smaller, but opening up the process may not be, you know, the Quicksilver solution that people are hoping it will be.
0: Yeah, because there's been a lot of talk about government intervention right? And opening this up so that we end the blind bidding is the the headline. And ultimately, statistically, that just makes things worse, doesn't it? It might.
2: It's not going to make things, it's not the silver bullet solution that everyone hopes it will be. Right. Corey, can we ask you for
0: something here? Can you explain the importance of setting an offer night and how it impacts the marketing calendar for a
1: property? Yes. This is also for our viewers. I've got the slide all ready to go. Can you see that okay? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I just want this also to be super clear because this is can be really confusing, especially if you're getting into this process the first time. So I just want... I'm going to see if I can zoom in a little bit more here.
0: I was just going to say, yeah, if you can zoom into the upper calendar, that would be helpful, I think.
1: I think this should be helpful. Yeah. There we go. Is that good?
0: Perfect. Yep. Okay. Much better.
1: So for our audience here that is just getting to this process for the first time, I just want, again, just to be adding these tools to your toolkit so that you're like, okay, I understand what this is all about. In Toronto is very specific about this. And this is how once you've got knowledge is power, the more you know, the easier this is going to get. So generally speaking in Toronto, very generally, listings will go to market on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. So that means they hit the MLS system. They hit realtor.ca. So you can see here in the gray box, we're using this as an example, that the property is listed on the MLS system. This is technically day zero on the market. This is when your agent will be able to see it online. Generally, the next day is when the seller will start permitting showings, maybe even that day. But showings will start, getting booked the following day and throughout that week. This is the marketing week. This is the week where agents take their clients in. There's generally an agent's open house. And generally, there is a public open house scheduled on the Saturday and the Sunday. In the broker remarks, as Ralph mentioned, there will be an indication if this property is hosting an offer date the date that they're accepting offers in hopes of eliciting multiple offers or a bidding war. Those notes will be in the MLS listing that only a broker can see, and we will be able to see on our end that the seller is accepting offers the following Wednesday at a specific date, at a specific time. And in those notes, it will say what time the offer needs to be registered and what time the offer package needs to be submitted. So generally speaking, a listing agent will give that property almost a full marketing week. As you can see here from the Tuesday to the following Wednesday for the property to be showcased to as many buyers as possible in hopes of eliciting multiple offers in hopes of driving the price up in a bidding war scenario at the following Wednesday at a specific date and time. So when you see the word offer night or you are here, agents saying offer night, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So it's listed one week, offers are generally the following week. Anything you want to add to that Mm -hmm. for for clarity for our our, uh, listeners, you guys?
2: No, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. And I think the calendar is always helpful uh, to understand the marketing period and how that works.
1: Okay, perfect. So we set everybody up for success with the fundamentals here.
2: Absolutely. Great job, Corey. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Ralph, for you? What information do Toronto real estate agents receive when they register an offer on a property during the offer date? And how does this information help buyers and their agents formulate a competitive bid in a bidding war scenario?
2: So typically, there are two times that get supplied to all agents who have seen the property or are considering offering on the property. One is the time when all offers have to be registered by. And then the second time is when all offers need to be submitted by. This is somewhat theoretical because this is how it's supposed to work, but it doesn't always work this way. So typically, it will say, the instructions will say, all offers registered by 5 o'clock, all offers to be submitted by 7 p.m. And when offers are registered, uh, Form 801 is submitted. And that form shows the intent. It's a one-page document to submit the offer in an hour's time or here with the offer. And the idea is, is that every agent and buyer will have the opportunity to know how many offers there are before they submit their offer so that they can compete knowing at least numerically what they are competing against. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the interesting things both as a buying agent and a listing agent is those time time slots can be very much ignored or sometimes abused. In my opinion, it should be this is the instructions this is when it has to be submitted by no exceptions but you have agents submitting well beyond those deadlines and so sometimes it can make offer nights go late into the night and sometimes it can be a bit of a free-for-all where at five o'clock you think there's three offers registered and by 530 there's 19 <laughs> so it's just one of those things that you have to work through and 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 uh, advise your clients be it on the buy or sell side is to how it works and mm-hmm. how to make sense of everything. Theoretically, once there's more than three or four offers, it really doesn't matter, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you're trying to make a decision based on how many offers there are in terms of if you still want to submit or what that what that number is going to be and what your conditions are going to be and finalize all the details on your offer before submitting it, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the offer count. Mm-hmm.
1: What's the most amount of offers you have ever seen competing as a buyer agent? What's the top number you've you've participated in? I think I've done I've been against 36 before.
0: Yeah, I was going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 for something that I was participating in. Um yeah. I've tried to blank it out. It's it's just
1: <laughs> it's like ridiculous. I've,
0: yeah, it's like I'm I don't want to remember this night. Yeah. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. There was uh, someone in Lawrence Park, who I think had a, a listing just to sort of like give you a little digression here, who I think had a listing a few years ago, pre, this is pre pandemic that he listed for nine ninety nine, and the property was probably worth about $3 million. Like it was a ridiculous, it wasn't just your typical lower than expected. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between what it was, what its market value was and what its list price was. And I think that that agent ended up with over a hundred offers. A large part of that was probably people who were just submitting, tire kicking. And so I think that's maybe something else that we can say for the listeners as well is that as people who also list properties as well as help buyers, when we see 10 or 20 offers, there's going to be a few that are kind of useless and garbage. They might Mm -hmm. be people their first time out. They might be people working with an inexperienced agent. They might be saying, what the hell? Send in a price lower than the list. Let's just see what happens and they found an agent to go along with that plan, then you will have a vast majority of people who will come in at that market value because they'll have a hard time envisioning why it's worth more than that market value. Mm-hmm. And then we will likely see a small percentage of players who come into the game aggressively and are working with a good agent or have enough experience to know how this works. And those ones will be the ones who get offered an opportunity to improve their offer. That, those are the ones that the listing agent is negotiating with in the end right? Totally. So just to put that information out there too, you might see 20 offers, but there's probably, if it's 20, maybe only four or so that are going to be ahead of the pack. Totally. Exactly. Yep. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. And also you'll see sometimes it's almost the same rationale as your analogy about the agent listing the Lawrence Park property for 999. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll see agents list the property for Mm a dollar.
2: It might as well well. be a dollar because... Yeah. Whatever that list price number totally. is, the sellers are never going to sell it for that. Like mm-hmm. it, th- it almost is like it should be a dollar we're having an auction and then everybody totally. knows what's happening. Because the yeah. 899 or 2.5 or 3 it's meaningless anyways. Yeah. And it is an auction anyways. So that list price meaningless. Meaningless.
1: Yeah. if you yeah. take anything away from this podcast today, it's the list price is meaningless buyers.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all and I that's I a great... <laughs> uh, Corey, earlier you called it a marketing price and that's a great term for it. It's basically, you know, we want to get you through the door. We want to get you considering it. But once you really dig in and do your uh, due diligence, as Ralph said, with your agent or yourself, you will find that there were three sales on this same street of nearly identical product that all went for $300,000 more than that list price. And that's going to now be your marketing value. Who's going to pay what exactly.
1: to secure this? Yes. Yeah. It's just like the Walmart philosophy of of pricing. They list product at Walmart for 999 for a reason, because they roll Mm -hmm. it back under $10 because all of a sudden it feels like a deal. It's the same concept in the Toronto real estate market. They're rolling back the number, to get you to engage and that's exactly what agents are doing and the listing agent isn't trying to screw over the buyer pool their job is to get the highest and best price for the seller and by listing it low and having an offer date they're not giving a cap on what that property is worth because sometimes you actually don't know what a buyer is willing to pay for it on any given date and time and they might actually be willing to pay far beyond and this has happened to us on the listing side what we think Mm -hmm. the top end of the range is. like We've been shocked listing properties to see how high the property has actually sold for. So why would the listing agent list it at list price? It's not to the seller's advantage. and, and,
2: And there's an understanding where if you put a property on the market and you show it to its highest and best, and you market it to its highest and best, and you expose it to the market for a reasonable period of time, like a week or 10 days, the market will tell you what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if and and the market, if you listen, the market will tell you very clearly. And you know, it's one thing with a condo and price per square foot and upgrades. I mean, that's more simpler math. But when you're talking about a renovated 200 uh, 120-year-old house, that's a different that's a different beast all entirely that's been that's had an extension to it or or whatever so there's a lot of situations when you have specialized or unique properties where you really need the market to tell you what it's worth because it just might not be comparable to anything that's sold Mm -hmm. recently or maybe in even a long time yeah exactly and so again the only way that you can have this type of dynamic is in a market that is grossly undersupplied where demand is exceeding supply yep. mm-hmm. where it's a seller's market and that's why these type of things happen in Toronto real estate that typically don't happen in other real estate markets and other markets period for anything so it's a very unique situation that we're constantly living in here in Toronto and it's very confusing and you almost can't understand it fully until you've been through it a couple times yeah and 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 it because it's really hard and it's emotionally hard and it's very emotionally draining to stand in a property and figure out where you know little jimmy's bed is gonna go <laughs> and and you know where you're gonna have your coffee in the morning and what's the sunlight gonna be like when you're sitting on your balcony and in and, and you know what 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 is your swimming pool going to feel like in the summer? And then all of a sudden, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And that happens two, three, four times. And you're talking to your mortgage broker, and you're talking to your astrologer, and you're talking to just virtually everybody. And you're putting so much out there and thinking about it and reminding everybody that you probably still have a job as well and other responsibilities in life. It becomes literally like a part-time job. A couple of uh, things to consider. Who would like to talk about how important
0: communication with the listing agent is?
2: Ian, I think actually you are the master at that. Like, I think you're so great at that. I'm going to throw that one right back at you. Whoa, um, whoa. Um, Not as a ready. buyer agent, you're you are so good at creating rapport and being the calm guy in the room um, and connecting with people. So I, I'll, I'm going to put that right back to you.
0: Okay. Thank you, Ralph. I think I'm ready for this. Communication with the listing agent is huge. Everybody likes to do business with people that they've done business with in the past, um, where that business has gone very smoothly and very well. So there are all kinds of agents that we've never worked with before, and that adds an air of mystery to it. But whether it's a first-timer or somebody you've done 10 deals with before, for us as agents, if we're representing you as a buyer, for me, the, the best way to help you is to try to establish rapport with the listing agent as quickly as possible. We're going to want information. We're gonna want uh, a clear outline as to the rules. And when I say information, I mean what is, what is the best closing date for the seller? Can I have a conversation with you about their expectations? Um, how are you handling your offer night? Is there anything else we can put in our offer that would, uh, make it stand out against the pack on the actual offer night. If I don't know that agent, I will put a call in even if I don't have any questions for them just to discuss the listing in general because I want to show them that I'm a professional and that I'm easy to get along with even though I'm looking after the best interests of my own clients. I'm a reasonable person. I'm a professional person and I'm here to help that listing agent and their sellers solve their problem of getting a very good price for this property. So I can't stress it enough. What surprises me when I'm on the listing side is when we have 10 offers for a fantastic property for our seller and someone I've never met that I didn't know was coming throws in that offer at 6.30 when they were supposed to be there at 5 mm-hmm. and completely kind of... it's it's just it, it just blows my mind that you're like, so you were planning this all week, didn't talk to me, didn't tell me you were coming, showed up late, so it sort of goes both ways if I've got a listing and you're going to bring me an offer call me tell me about it ahead of time you know I'm happy to share anything that you need and in the reverse if I'm representing you as a buyer I will call that listing agent not in an annoying way but just to let them know we're coming we want to make this easy for you and we want to show that we're professional
1: And give the listing agent of maybe a few nuggets about the you know your client's covenant that they're solid people that they perhaps own a property that they're pre-approved that they love the home flatter the listing agent a little bit be a bit charming but Mm -hmm. every listing agent loves to know that they have a solid partner on the other side before the offer night oh my gosh what a freaking relief it is it's a relief yeah it's a relief you're like oh thank God he's coming to the gym. yes.
0: Yeah, the buyers because are stressed, every, but the sellers are stressed too. So they fast. want to be able to relax as well.
2: Well, every listing agent also knows that just because an offer gets accepted and you have like a a, a close date, and here's the close date between here and here, a lot of stuff can go wrong. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter how great of intent and communication everybody has, and so you want to as best as possible, make sure that you're working with somebody that you feel if a problem came up, you could work through to find a solution. Because Mm -hmm. stuff always comes up in this little time period here. And sometimes, you know, you can have some sleepless nights right in between this little sweet spot uh, here. And, um, you know, I think it's really important as a buying agent to instill that confidence Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I don't know why, maybe because the Leafs are in the playoffs, why I keep going back to hockey, but when you're going into the penalty box and you get a call against yourself, you're arguing with the ref so that the next time if you get a call, it might go your way. And so when you're offering a multiple offers, listen, if somebody's paying $250,000 more than your offer, you're not going to get it. But if you're competing neck and neck and there's like one or two people those phone calls are really going to play into that confidence about mm-hmm. you and your buyer. If you do a good enough job, and that mm-hmm. gets relayed to the seller, and so if it's close, and in many situations, uh, myself and a lot of the agents on our team have been very successful uh, in winning multiple offer scenarios and not necessarily being the highest offer. Mm-hmm. And that's where the skill of this comes in, and that's one of the, another reason why it's so important to have great representation that can communicate effectively on your behalf. Yeah. And the last thing that I will say is uh, a lot of newer slash younger agents think that they can do everything by texting and just sending emails. You got to pick up the phone and you got to have those calls mm-hmm. uh, and you got to create that rapport. And y- there's so much information that you can get from a listing agent uh, by having a call that you're never going to get online and that you're never going to get by sending a text message. So pick up that phone and treat that listing agent as your new bestie, and hopefully yeah. they're good. Show everybody what a great communicator you. you are. Yep. Yes, yeah.
0: So Ralph, our next one is buyers understanding the process and understanding paperwork in advance. You want to run with that? Oh my
2: gosh, yeah. This is such an important question, and this is such an important topic. Uh, we at Fox Marin believe so much in front-loading our clients with information so that well in advance of going through the process, they have a working knowledge of the process. And when you're offering on a property, your heart is going like a million miles an hour. You're um, potentially involved in the largest transaction of your life. And it doesn't matter whether it's your first time or your fifth time, uh, you're gonna have your nerves going and the blood's gonna be pumping. And the last thing you want to be worried about is the fine print on page four and what does that mean? Or what's a condition mean? Or an irrevocable? Like these are all things you want to be very clear on well in advance of offering on a property so that when you are, you're not second guessing what you're doing and you're able to focus calmly on how to actually do what you want, which is acquire the property because you've done all your due diligence and heavy lifting up front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, next on our list, completing your due diligence well in advance, meaning like the list I've got here is inspectors, contractors, a status certificate if it's a condo. And Corey, I I think you're up. Sorry. Okay.
1: No, I love answering the questions. Okay. So uh, this is there's a couple of things that are important here. One is buyers and their agents, please get into properties as soon as possible. So as we mentioned in the marketing calendar, it's likely that a new listing will come to market on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or other days of the week, but generally at the top of the week. As soon as you're interested in the property, we really suggest that you go see it as soon as possible. And there's multiple reasons for this, but I'm referencing this particularly to answer this question. Uh, if you go see it the first day, you've got a full week to do your homework on the property. This means you have a chance to have a conversation with your mortgage broker about the value of the property, what you can afford, what does your deposit need to be be at, and your down payment requirements, and are there any concerns about appraised value. You also have an opportunity to... Uh, review the pre-list home inspection if it is a low rise property. You'll have the opportunity to have the status certificate reviewed by a real estate lawyer if it's a condominium. If you want to go back and visit the property for a second time to double check your spidey senses, bring in you know a friend or a family member, not your parents though, because they'll always tell you not to do it, but anyone but your parents. Uh, Bring in a contractor, take a peek at the property. If you want to do your own home inspection, you'll have the time to do that. If you want to have another third party, take a look at any of your concerns. Um, You could bring in an architect. If you're like, this looks like a type of property, I want to do an extension or, you know, get creative with. So you want to have the time and space to do all of that due diligence up front you've crossed your T's, you've dotted your I's, you've looked at the area, you've walked the neighborhood, you've spied on the neighborhood, the neighbors, and then you have the full freedom and confidence to proceed with your offer with no conditions. So you're not going to be including any conditions. It's called a clean offer. No condition of financing, of inspection, of status certificate review, of appraisal, or anything like that, you're going in clean. So give yourself the time to be able to do this all up front so that you can come in with your highest and best offer and clean paperwork.
0: And Ralph mentioned earlier that you have to treat this like a part-time job. So sure, it would be more comfortable to go Saturday at noon when you've got the time and you're already out running errands. But Tuesday after work, you're tired, you want to get home and just put some dinner on. You know what? Make that little bit of extra effort. Yes. Stop on the way home grab a pizza instead of making dinner and take that property pizza. in on day one or day zero if you can.
2: Yeah, got Jessica on our team. And Jessica, if you're watching, here's a shout out. I <laughs> always wanted to say that. She's a master of day zero. Like Jessica will see a property like 30 seconds after it's gone on the market um, because you do need to do that due diligence and things move really fast in Toronto. And to the buyers who are like, ah, I'll just wait till the weekend to see it. Too little, too late.
0: I'm going to take this next one. It is register your offer on time and submit your offer package on time. And Ralph, you touched on this already that uh, maybe they've asked you to email your offer in by six. Maybe they've asked you to register by five. And you've got those ones that trickle in after the fact. So basically, work with your agent to do everything within the parameters that the seller and the seller agent have asked for. Be respectful to everyone else who's trying to play this quote unquote game and you know, get there on time. Sh- show a professional side. That's all I have to say about that. That's really it. all that one is, isn't it?
1: That's all That's all I know it to be. Yep. That's all that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't need to overcomplicate things.
0: Exactly. So, Ralph, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, yeah. Submit with a certified check as big as you can oh, go.
2: Ian, is. I'm so happy you threw this one to me because okay, good. I love this, one. <laughs> I this, to the get most this one. I love that you're like, excited. Most important. Oh, I'm. Humped. (laughs) And everyone on our team knows that because this is like literally what can get you a house or a condo or not. Yes. Like this is another huge deal breaker. Yeah. So what happens is is in a multiple offer scenario, anybody who's coming forward with an offer without conditions is gonna have an advantage, a far bigger advantage over somebody with conditions. And that's why. Most of the offers that are submitted, especially the successful ones, none of them have conditions. If you have that check, which is standard deposit check is 5% and that check is a certified check.
1: Sorry, Ralph, just be clear, 5% of
2: what? 5% of the purchase price of the home or 5% of your offer. That's typical. But once you get into luxury over two and a half million, you're looking at 10%. And so really it's a sign of good faith that you have the financial covenant to actually close on the property. And that five or 10% that you're putting down will get applied against your final down payment that you've worked out with your lender. Because that's a good question that does come up. Mm -hmm. And it also has to change hands, even if you have an offer with no conditions for it to be legal and binding, like you need money to go from one party to another party when you have an accepted offer. And so if you're a seller and it's your offer day and you accept an offer, but you don't have that check and you won't get that check till the next day or they're promising to give you the check the next day, theoretically they may never show up with the check and that deal might fall apart. So as soon as you have that skin in the game on an accepted offer, you become firm, provided it has no conditions. And so if you have two offers, both with no conditions around the same offer price, one with the check, one without, you're going to barely heavily favor the one with the check. And you always have to remember As a buyer agent or as a buyer, you want to take away as much friction as possible for a seller or a seller's agent to advise their client to accept your offer. And the way or one of the ways you do that is you have that check in hand with a promise to deliver it Mm -hmm. one hour after acceptance so that they know you are very serious and you're taking away a level, a huge level of friction for them to accept your offer. And having sold hundreds of properties and been on the listing side, it makes a huge difference when somebody has that check. And it makes a huge difference after you've accepted the offer and you get that check in your hand. Because if you don't, you can have a very sleepless night or sometimes it's a couple nights until you get that. Because if a deal is going to fall apart on a no-condition offer, It's going to happen right there. And as a selling agent, you can lose a lot of momentum if you have to then relist the market or go back to some of the other people who offered on the property. So a check in hand is better than two in the bush. Mm -hmm.
1: I just want uh, to reference that Ralph had mentioned that the deposit check should be a minimum of 5% of the offer price and often deposit checks are 10% or higher in the luxury market. But I would even go to suggest that even if you're offering at a lower price point, $900,000, $1, 2, 1, 5, if you can get yourself up to that 10% of the offer price with your deposit, it is going to make you stand out in the crowd and prove that you have the means to close on the property. And again, if you're very close with one other offer and your offers are identical, both are condition-free and both have a deposit check, but your deposit check is higher than the you know, competitor number two, you will outbid them. So it, the more deposit you can put down, the better. And the second really ballsy move that we've seen in hyper-competitive markets is that the buyer agent will deliver the deposit check to the listing brokerage before they submit their offer. So the deposit check is already sitting there at the listing brokerage, you know, ready and willing to be accepted before they negotiate the offer. And I think that is a very ballsy move. And if your buyer really wants the property, I think that's another way to navigate and show that your your clients are willing to do whatever it takes to get the to the deal done. So I think that's also very cool.
2: I feel like we could do a whole episode on deposit checks. Just on checks. the deposit <laughs> checks alone. Yeah. Yeah 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 so the, there's two there's two things here uh number one, we often get asked questions about okay, so I've got this certified deposit check. what happens with it? So that certified deposit check gets made out and written to the benefit of the listing brokerage's trust account, and it sits there until closing. Mm-hmm. now, if there is some type of a dispute where the property doesn't close meaning this with, on the sale side or the buy side or both sides, then that money sits in the brokerages, the listing brokerages trust account, until either there's a mutual release, meaning both parties have agreed on how to distribute the funds, or there's a court order. So it's not just a slam dunk if for some reason a property doesn't close that the seller gets to keep that deposit. And on the buy side, there's a lot of regulations put around um, how a trust fund or a trust account is to be run. And so there's a lot of guidances just to make sure that that money is protected uh, for a purchaser, much similar to the, the way a lawyer's trust account would work as well. So that's one thing I wanted to touch upon. And then the other, and this is just so important, and we say this day one with all of our buyer clients. Hallelujah. Okay. I know that we're just starting out. So I'm telling you this and I hope you retain this information. But there may come a time where you have to run to the bank and get that certified deposit check. 5%, fast. 10%, fast. like super fast. I felt like you were like beating me into sing or something. Or <laughs> No, no. Um, you, you may have to move. You may have to move. And so, you know, we have those, we look them right in the eye and they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you have it liquid? Do you have, you can even pull it out of a line of credit. Like, do you have this liquid where if you needed it on a moment's notice, you could get it? Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha, bro. And then we're standing in that moment and you're like, okay, we need that $95,000. And they're like, well it's in my rsp which is in a GIC, which is banked at tangerine and it's going to take me 30 days to get my money and you're like oh my god didn't we just talk about this you know we've we've I done drives you. to like i told yeah. you yeah yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah we've driven to, to buyer's parents house in brampton you know to pick up these to, to pick up a check or something I so that was me yeah <laughs> I think it was Corey. (laughs) And if somebody's listening who knows who they were, then we remember you.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And we had that
2: talk with this specific person and they told us it was fine. And then Corey's driving to Brampton somehow. But anyways, we digress. We got the deal done. Really, really important to have that money accessible. Yep. And not to have it locked away at, at Tangerine or in some type of an investment instrument that you don't have <laughs> access to. Even, you your, need
0: it. even your TFSA as a registered account, it can take you three yeah. days to get that money. Yes. Out. And yeah. so my suggestion further to this, and you're right, we could go on about, che- we could have a whole episode just about checks. But two is, uh, the, the first one of the two is, go into your branch and just check before you need it. Like, just say, hey, listen, I have a $100,000 line of credit. I was going to use that for the deposit. If I asked you for a $100,000 deposit check right now, could you could you do it? And they'll tell you whether or not you know there's a hold on those fees for any reason before they give them over to you. So go to your branch and make sure that it's doable. And number two, for anybody who's never had to do it, it literally is a five-minute transaction. You go to a teller and you say, I need this. It needs to be made out to this brokerage. And they will charge you Last time I did, it was $8.50, I think, was the price at RBC. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $10. But in all honesty, for the advantage it will give you to have it, spend the 10 minutes, spend your coffee break, going down to the bank, pick it up, spend the 10 bucks. You might be taking it back the next day, but you know what? You'll be kicking yourself if it came down to it and the other people had a deposit check and the same price and you weren't there with it. So just, again, part-time job, you're going to have to do these little errands to give yourself that leg up.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And how many buyers have you heard bitch about the fee? They're like, but I have to pay $8. I'm like, you're buying a house for $2 million. (laughs) Why is this $8 so important to you? And I'm like, it's just bothering you so much. Yeah. Like it bothers them. Like get over it. Pay the $8, get the F in check and let's go. You need the check. If you want, I'll pay the $8 for you. So I don't have to hear about this anymore. Like just, you've got to get the check.
0: It so. <laughs> has such value. If I could go to the bank for you and get your deposit check out, I would. But I can't do that. So this is where we need you to participate and participate hard. Jump and, in with both we, feet. And
2: we, had, we have Foxman. We love our clients, but we're not writing that $100,000 check for you. True. Sorry. True. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I anyway, can't we, do that for you. Maybe we've done it a couple of times, but we draw the line at yeah. two or three. For family,
0: <laughs> family and extended family, it might happen. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. bail you out if we know you, but it's rare. Yeah. Okay, our next point is no conditions. Oh. And Corey, I think you're up, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, I feel
1: like we answered that already. Like do your diligence up Did front. We? Yeah, do yeah. your diligence up front. You're going in with what we call a clean offer. No conditions, no condition of financing, status mm-hmm. certificate, home inspection, any bullshit clauses, anything weird, you're going in clean. So yeah, no conditions. Mm-hmm. Your offer will not, in a multiple offer scenario, multiple, you're competing with other people, you will not be accepted if you're competing against other agents and their buyers with conditions. So, yeah, you're screwed.
0: Yeah, 100%. Keep it condition-free. The next one is still kind of related to this too. Um, error-free simple paperwork, and it oh also says God, no, no weird clauses, right?
1: I'll answer this. Agents. Okay. Agents, buyer agents, get your shit together. Honestly, learn how to write a freaking offer. I honestly cannot tell you the shit ass offers we've seen over the years. Like, I don't (laughs) think these people know what they're doing. I'm embarrassed that there's agents running around submitting paperwork they do. You cannot come in in a multiple offer scenario and have errors in your paperwork or submit on the wrong forms or have mistakes or um, send it in like 17 different PDFs. PDFs, and it's not all yep. rolled into one. It's not in order. There's missing signatures. No, this is bullshit. You want to come mm-hmm. in with a clean offer that is error-free, not one single mistake. I'm talking like not one missed T and not one missed dot on an I. You want it to be perfect mm-hmm. because we want the seller's agent And the seller to look at it and be like, I just want to accept it as is. I don't want to have to put pen to paper on this.
2: Take away all the friction possible. Totally. Yeah. We've seen like some of the offers we've seen come in. They're not even legal documents. I
1: don't even know what they are. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. I've seen Corey. Corey's really good with the red lines, like grade four. Corey just sends back these offers to, to agents, and it's just the red line like everywhere, like X's and scratch. And you I'm could going, resubmit,
1: Oh, how fix this? How and embarrassing resubmit. to
2: have to send that to your client. Like, we had one scenario where an agent, um, we were selling a, a condo, and an agent didn't even submit it on a condo APS area form. It's uh, mind blowing. Imagine having to go back to your client and just be like, Oops, yeah, I put sorry. I used the wrong form. I used oh. the
0: wrong form. Yeah. It's
1: so With brutal. your hundreds of
0: thousands or millions of dollars, I I, I yeah, yeah. I can't even figure was, out which form to use. It is embarrassing. And when To we, call it a dog's breakfast would be an insult to dogs.
1: Oh, totally. And the other thing that we do at Fox Marin for our buyers and uh, is when we're submitting in a multiple officer or any scenario is that we send the agreement of purchase and sale to another agent and one of our admin to review for this very reason. So we put a mm-hmm. second set of eyes on it. Can you make sure this is one hundred percent perfect because mm-hmm. you don't want to make a mistake on it. You want it we to be call
2: different. it. Go ahead. We call it the six. It's when you see an email that comes through uh, on your inbox at Fox Marin and you see title six Eyeball Rule," it's going out to another uh, another agent and an admin on our team to make to sure to it's perfect. The, to make sure it's perfect. I even want it what, is yeah. It is a legal document.
1: I want your clauses also to make sense. Like sometimes people put them in this weird order. Like I'm like, you know, no, no, no. Do you not learn in your real estate school? You put your clauses in order of importance and priority. Like not all scattered and you put the most important thing at the very end. You put it in order. I like, call oh my gosh. Anyways, I could go on a whole episode just about this. So buyers, if you're not working with our team and you're working with another agent, please make sure they're competent. When it comes to just the fundamentals of putting together a good offer package, it makes a huge difference in you standing out in the crowd.
0: Absolutely, endear yourself to me as the listing agent, and you may be rewarded. Make this yes. easy for me. Yes. That's what we want as listing yeah. agents. Yeah. Make it give us give us the confidence to proceed on working with you. My next one, I I will take if that's okay with you guys, because it's quick and easy. Please uh, accommodate the seller's preferred possession date. So. Yeah. Um, Something that buyers uh, may not know, um, I try to educate my buyers to this as quickly as possible, is that usually the day of or the day before the offer night, we'll get an email from a good agent that says, Hi, you showed this property, you might be bringing us an offer. Um, Here's kind of an outline of what we're expecting, the do's and don'ts, and our preferences. And one of those line items might be the seller's preferred closing date or range of dates is this. If If you can do that, that would help us. So I will take that to my buyer and say, this is the date they want to close or a series of dates they want to close. Can we work within that? And if you can, do it. And I'm, I'm going to keep saying this, but anywhere where you can get a little leg up, it's kind of like you want, to take this, you want to take this property to the prom. So you're trying to be as charming as you possibly can be and give it everything that you've got. So working our way through this list, it's like have that deposit check, have this, have that. But also, if you can, accommodate that date. That's going to make something else easier for the seller.
1: And if you can't accommodate that possession date, accommodate it anyways. Like, True. just figure it out.
0: Find a way. Find a way. <laughs> Absolutely. Find a way. Yeah.
1: So what if you have to stay in your parents' basement for a week, or stay in a hotel, or stay in an Airbnb? Suck it up again. Just like mm-hmm. the eight dollars that you have to pay for your deposit check. And if you don't mm-hmm. like the possession date, is not perfect for you, <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> figure it out. Like I just, it drives me insane. Like you want to buy a house in Toronto, but you're yeah. not willing to be flexible. I'm sorry. Inconvenient. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be inconvenienced? Sorry, give the seller the possession date they want. That's it. There is no other option mm-hmm. here. You just do it.
2: The, there's a reason why they call a seller's market a <laughs> yeah. seller's market. And when you're a buyer in a seller's market and there are things that you can do other than pay another $250,000 for the property that you're looking for for your dream house, suck it up. Suck it up.
0: Do it. Do them. Do those things. <laughs> yeah, It will make a difference at the end of the day. Yes. All right. Who would like to take writing a personal letter and including a photo of yourself as a buyer when you're submitting an, an offer?
1: I'm happy to. So this is, you'll hear people talking about this often. I think this is a technique that is used strategically in certain situations. So I think this gives the... when So basically, you're submitting your offer package and the buyer will submit a personal letter and perhaps a photo of them, their kids, and their dog with their offer package. And this humanizes the offer. So it puts a face to the name, literally. It makes the seller and the seller's agent rationalize that you're real people and that you have a story and it gives them a sense of confidence that you are not just a name on a blank piece of paper. And so do I think this is the be all and end all? No. I think that generally it's going to come down to price, closing date, conditions and deposit. Yes, but- yes. In certain situations, especially if you're close with a couple other offers and their sentiment from the seller about their house and who it's getting passed down to and who the next family is that's going to live there. And if they care about that, then that little nugget may impact if you get the house or not. And I have been in many situations, and I know the whole team has as well, representing buyers where we have not been the highest offer, but we do have clean paperwork, the deposit check, and all the other things we've discussed. But the seller just likes my clients more because they've submitted an offer and they feel that human connection and it just gives them peace of mind. So can it be, feel a little bit tacky? Can it be really cheesy? In certain situations, yes, I don't think it's the strategic thing to do. But in many situations, especially if you're buying a family home, I think there's value there.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if you are working with a a decent agent with some experience, they will know the right times to add one and the times when you can just skip that step. Trust your instincts on that one, I think. The next thing I want to talk about is do not assume there will be a second or a third round of offers. Go big or go home with your first submission. Okay, Ralph, do it do it. Corey and I talked to oh my personal letters. I'm so
2: happy you said that. I mean, there's just two on this list that I really need to be a part of. One, deposit checks. Two, on offer strategy. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing you have to understand is you're offering blind, presuming that we are in multiple offers. And the number one rule is you never, ever, ever, ever. And I've said this before on previous episodes, and I'm going to say it again. Testify. You never, ever, ever want to offer against yourself. And if you're clear on the value and you're clear on what the value is to you as the buyer and you're competing, the strategy is really straightforward because you can't control if you're going to get a second chance from the listing agent. They say you might, they say you won't. Anything can happen on an offer night scenario. You just go in, you play your game and it's one of the things that we always say as a measure to our own clients is if this sold for $5,000 more than what you're offering, would you be okay with it? You might not you know, have a good night's sleep that night, but would you actually mentally, emotionally be okay with that? Mm-hmm. And if that is the number, then you know you're at your number. Maybe leave a little bit of room if you absolutely had to come in. But it's very much a let go and let God type of a scenario. And that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's how you handle it. Because you don't know how many chances you're going to have. Most likely most agents at this point set it out from the outset that they're trying to get it done in one shot. And unless a couple offers are super close and they reserve the right to determine what is close, they won't ask you to come back. Mm -hmm. So figure out what that number is to you as a buyer and let go and let God. Yeah. Psychologically, okay. sorry, Corey, I was no, just
0: going to add psychologically to anybody who, who has not done this too. You can take yourself down a serious rabbit hole of trying to guess what everyone else is doing. <laughs> the psychology of people you've never met, that you will <laughs> never meet, that you don't yeah. know, and their agents and what their strategy is. So don't, don't do that to yourself. Make peace, like Ralph's saying, make peace with yourself about, this is the value to me and this is what I'm going in at. If I get asked to improve, I've got X number of dollars to throw at this as a little bit of extra. But generally, I'm okay with this landing wherever it lands. Corey, I'm sorry.
1: And I agree with both of you here, but I also think buyers out there, if you want to win a property in Toronto in a multiple offer scenario and you want to win, you have to be a bit uncomfortable with your number. Yeah. You shouldn't be like, oh, this seems like a fair number. You should be like, ugh. I feel uncomfortable with this number. I am stretching myself with this number. This is more than I want to pay for this property. It's more than it's worth to me, but can I make it work? Yes. So I want you, and I've talked about this before, I want you to feel uncomfortable. I want you to stretch yourself because that is the only way you're going to get a property. And you're, again, sorry buyers, and I don't need to sound like a bitch about this, but suck it up. And pay more than it's worth because you'll never ever effing own a property in Toronto unless you're willing to have some balls. So, like, please mm-hmm. not overpay, not be ridiculous, but like stretch yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. And the important thing is, is you first have to understand its value to know what you're offering on it, and then to be comfortable with the premium that you're gonna pay above its value, mm-hmm. knowing. In five years from now or in three years from now, you're going to laugh at that price. Or in
0: six months, potentially, yes. too. Yeah. Yep. I've lost track of whose turn it is, but uh, the next point is do not go dark. Stay available oh, for wanna... your agent. Do it. Oh,
1: my gosh. Okay, buyers, please. Again, this has happened so many times where buyers are offering on a property We're in the middle of negotiating. Everyone's submitting their offers. The back and forth is happening. The heat is on. The vibe is there. Let's go. Let's make this happen. And we're trying to communicate with our buyer with an update. And they're nowhere to be found. Like dark. Like phones off. Like they're in like a movie theater or like on a plane. I don't know where they're going scuba diving. I don't know what these people are doing. But they go dark. They go to bed. I love the ones that just go to bed thinking, oh, I submitted. And there's nothing for me to <laughs> respond to. Hopefully I'll wake up in the morning and own a house. So buyers, 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 do not go to bed or go off on an adventure with no phone or like lose all battery power of <laughs> all this on your iPhone. Please remain by your phone with a fully charged phone so that we can communicate because stuff will come up or questions might be asked and you need to be responsive to the T in the moment. and so stay with us. Stay with us. I mean, this doesn't happen as much as it used to when we were doing this like old school, you know, with the scanners and the faxes and driving around. Uh, It's a lot easier now to get signatures and update offers and do things using electronic signature, but this is a big rule. So please do not forget this. You stay charged and you're alive and you're around.
0: Yeah, 100%. I don't think there's anything else to add to that. Ralph?
2: No, pretty straightforward. This is the cell phone? Do not let go
0: of it. Don't even put it on silent. No. Don't even no. do that. Turn the volume up.
1: Yes.
2: And and just keep it near
1: keep you. It keep it with you, and even don't
0: in the bathroom. Ever stop that. Yeah. Yes. If it's off for night, take it with you to the bathroom. I don't care what you're doing.
2: I don't, I don't need either. to know.
0: Don't don't answer on Facetime. But <laughs> take it with you everywhere you go. Yes. Our next point: be a facilitator, not adversarial. In quotes, do not be an asshole.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, a lot a lot of a lot of agents when they get into this business, or even some who've been in this business for a long time, maybe have watched too many episodes of Million Dollar Listing New York. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're trying to think that they are Ari Gold from Entourage, but that's not how business is done. And for me, like the first thing when I speak to another agent. I'm saying out of my mouth, either directly or indirectly through my communication is, I'm a dealmaker, I'm not a deal breaker. This isn't about my ego. I'm here to facilitate. And my number one ambition is to create a win win scenario for everybody, so that everybody is happy. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, then I've done my job. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that through communication and experience and an understanding of the market and process, that's what that's what I get paid for. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Bringing and, stuff together. Yeah, and it's just so interesting. You'll call up another agent, either on the buy side or the list side, and you almost say a small prayer before they pick up the phone, if you don't have a relationship with them. Yeah. And you're like... Good energy, clear pronunciation, on top of things, and you're just like, yes, yes, this is somebody we can potentially work with. Yeah, and that's really not very often the case, but when it is, it's amazing. It's a huge and relation. so and so yeah, and so having somebody that you can just talk and work with and partner with, it's such a big part of the process, and it is such an advantage to have somebody being able to advocate that way on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even explain um, how important that is. And reputation matters because people or other agents will know that if, if a buyer or seller is working with you, that they're probably at a certain caliber that you wouldn't take them on if they weren't, and that you are going to have good communication with your client and that you are going to make this seamless, For everybody. Mm -hmm. And if you have a good relationship with another agent and you've had past success in working with them, that becomes a force multiplier and even making the whole situation easier for everybody. Yes. So those are all really important things to be considering um, when you're looking at making a move in Toronto real estate.
0: Mm -hmm. 100%. We have a form as agents and brokers called the Confirmation of Cooperation. And When people say after a successful transaction, it's like, it was, Ian, it was really a pleasure to work with you on this. I I point out, well, it is, it is a cooperative environment. It's supposed to be the spirit of cooperation. Let's, you know, we all, we all have things that we want to get done. Let's get them done easily, seamlessly, right? With the least amount of friction possible. And that'll be more pleasant for everybody. And that kind of leads into our last point here, um, which we've kind of really already covered. Ralph, I think you just answered this one accidentally. The advantages of working with a reputable experienced agent.
2: Yeah, I think it's all tied in.
0: They're going to work in the same fashion that you do that we do to bring this home quickly, easily, and professionally. So in closing, why don't we all say out of this whole list that we just went through, kind of what our our most important from the list tidbit is, the, the biggest takeaway. Um, Corey, do you want to start us off?
1: Sure. Okay, well, everything's very important. So I just want everyone to be very clear about that. So all of these small things add up to the big picture. But if I had to pick one of them, I want, well, for my buyers, I want you to come in at your highest and best price. And I want you to be ballsy about it. And I want you to stretch yourself. And I want you Mm -hmm. to get the property. So all in, all in. Don't hold
2: back. Don't hold back. And, Ralph, what about you? I'm all about the Benjamin's baby. Get that check. Have it accessible. It's all about showing that you're serious and that you're ready to make this frictionless and that you're easy to work with and that you're ready to go and that if they accept everything on your offer, they are going to be firm in one hour or less. Mm -hmm. And it is the difference maker between a good offer and a great offer. And it is the difference maker between a good buyer and a great buyer. So make sure that you have liquidity so that when you need it, the funds are there so that you can take action and acquire the property you want without it costing you anything over and above (laughs) $8.99. Yeah.
0: Spend the 10 bucks, take the 10 minutes, get it done. Get out of your own way and just get it done. Give yourself that leg up. Are we... Can we legitimately call them Benny's here in Canada? I think, aren't we getting King Charles on our bills now? We're going to call them Charlie's. I'm all about (laughs) the Charlie's. Well, yeah. Yeah. All about the Charlie's, baby. All about the Charlie's. Um, I will add to all of this, you know what? Interview many agents and find a good, reputable, experienced agent who knows all of these things that we've listed, who will help to get you to that finish line. Do it for us when you're coming to our listings and work with us if you want to be a buyer. Talk to us at least. Right? What did we say, Corey? Talk to us. We're nice.
1: Contact us. We're nice. Because we are. We We are. are. We're nice. And we're going to get you the house as well.
0: Yeah. We want to help you. Guys, thank you. We're going to pick this up. I I feel like this is part one of two, right? Yeah. We still have many things to discuss, including uh, bully offers, Mm -hmm. preemptive offers, and a couple of other points that uh, that we've decided to leave for this. So this is our cliffhanger ending, I guess. Yes, You're going to like have to that. join us for part two. Wherever you are, be well, stay safe, and uh, happy real estate shopping. And uh, contact us. We're nice. Oh, and Ralph, what should they do with the uh, subscribe button? Smash it. Smash that subscribe <laughs> button.
1: <laughs> Thanks, everyone. I'm so glad to see you guys. Bye. Talk to you later.
2: Bye.